everybody, and welcome to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. What a show we've got for you today. I am joined by the stand-up comedian, the musician, the writer, comedy writer extraordinaire. Uh, you might know him, if you know his very good comedy, as, as a nice guy, as a nice presence, as a gentle presence on stage, which makes it all the more delightful that he has brought us absolutely one of the most iconic screen villains of modern cinema. Take a guess, five, four, three, two, one. We are here to discuss Heath Ledger's turn as the Joker in the Dark Knight, the like distillation of chaotic evil as discussed by Josh Johnson. Did you see that coming? I hope so. Never judge a book by its cover, everybody. And then after that conversation, we're going big again following the bigness of the Joker. I will have one quick thing to talk about before I go regarding the new movie. Maybe you know it as Triple R. Maybe you know it as its full title, Rise, Roar, Revolt. The new movie from S.S. Rajmuli out of India. We're going to get into that a little bit. But right now, let's get to it with Josh my co-host joining me for the episode, a comedian, a writer previously for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, currently uh, with The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and you might have heard his mixtape, Elusive. It is a mixture of comedy and music, hip-hop performance, uh, and perhaps you have seen his special hashtag. There are many ways you could experience Josh Johnson. Welcome to the show. Is there anything you would like to include in the intro so that people get to know you well at the start of this? Um, I, I just had an album come out with some friends called Channel Black, and it's um, basically a, a night of comedy that my friends and I did. Um, so four of us comedians, and then we had interstitials in there with uh, like lesser known speeches from black thought leaders that are sort of like a palate cleanser between each comic and stuff. So I just, I think it's very cool and I hope people check it out and enjoy it. And I'm going to ask you more about your work as we go on in this conversation, but to start it off for now, what is the uh, character in the movie that you've brought for us to talk about today? I love this. Uh, So it's uh, the Joker from The Dark Knight. Look at you. What do you believe in, huh? What do you believe in? I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you a stranger. What a bold selection. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm used to people thinking I'm a bit off okay. to begin with. So why not lean into it? Yes. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And just to cover it up top, it's one of those ones where I feel like we don't have to do a ton of explaining about it, but... Where do we come in with Batman in the Dark Knight? What's what's the what's the sort of like overview on the Dark Knight and how the Joker factors into it? Um, so basically, as as crazy as the Joker is, and while I don't fully roll with him, you know, murdering people or anything, sure. there is a a code that he sort of moves with and lives by that I think is actually more understanding of, of the human condition than a mm. lot of people give credit for. So from the comic books, the Joker's whole mantra might not be the right word, but but the the sort of code that he lives by is mm. that 
anybody can go crazy. It just takes one bad day, mm-hmm. right? Like that. That's that's been a thing. That's been a theme and everything. And you really see it in the Dark Knight because he believes that everyone is a day away from being like him. Mm-hmm. And Batman and the people of Gotham, all these other people have all of these different moral codes that he thinks are a joke. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that even with, you know, and sorry to spoil it if you still have not seen The Dark Knight. (laughs) You're past the statute of limitations, folks. There's been new Batman since then. So I feel like (laughs) I'm well within range to go ahead and spoil. But even with the the way that the movie turns out with the two ships... Mm -hmm. Right. I still think that those instances Mm -hmm. were two people both willing to speak up and do a good thing. Mm -hmm. So who's it going to be? Harvey Dent's most wanted scumbag collection or the sweet and innocent civilians? You choose. Oh, and you might want to decide quickly because the people on the other boat may not be quite so noble. We see from the onset of the situation mm-hmm. that most of the people that have speaking roles, at least, mm-hmm. are like, hey, uh, blow them up yeah. over there, please. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really here for this. I'm not really. And so I know that it didn't. he didn't get the result that he wanted. Mm-hmm. But all in all, I think that what, what the Joker thinks about humanity is actually a huge relief to humanity when you try to develop your own sort of moral code let's say you don't live by any like judeo-christian or religious value and and you're just carving it out for your life as you go i think that it builds and breeds a lot more understanding of other people Mm -hmm. that you yourself and all the people you come in contact with are just doing the best they can with what they have, and they're a day away from being crazy anyway. <laughs> I feel like when I move through the world like that, now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, even that rude guy was pretty reasonable to say that he could have lost his mind, you know? <laughs> yeah. And now you're, you're as I understand it, you're a longtime fan of comic books. You've, you've I think, read them your most of your whole life from what I have gathered yeah. and reading and such. Um, yeah. Now, did you always have an affinity for the Joker in that way? Or was it really something that crystallized when you watched, obviously, Heath Ledger's Academy Award-winning performance of the character in this movie specifically? I think that Joker for me was sort of solidified because I, I also have to put myself in that back in that mindset of when it came out, I was probably like 17, 18 right. yeah. or something. And, you know, I had a friend once tell me that the only thing that'll ever be music to you is the music you listen to at high school. And I think that that's <laughs> that and, and some other things are also what I think sort of solidify certain opinions you have about mm-hmm. culture and media in your life. Yeah. Um, and so for me with Joker, I thought not only did Heath Ledger do a great job, but the way when you really take into consideration the things that Joker is saying and you also, I you know, I love the Batman comics. I still read them to mm-hmm. this day. But Batman is not really a hero. Like yeah. it's not like not really a like a, a hero is a strong word because he, his code that he has set up for himself mm-hmm. actually leads to way more harm. <laughs> yeah. Like if you pay attention, if you pay attention to the thing and like I I was doing this it this this is the other devastating thing about doing comedy in a in a modern age mm-hmm. is that Two comedians can have 
the same thought. And mm-hmm. back in the 90s, they they wouldn't even know unless they ran into each other. And, right. and now it's like, I've, I've been working on this joke for about a month and I started doing it and was doing very well. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, um, uh, another comic who I'm friendly with had the same premise of the joke even though he took it to different places than i did Mm -hmm. but it was still then too close for me to continue to do my joke especially since he put it online first it's like Uh, i don't want to have to justify to strangers that i didn't take something from yeah i mean like I, i just was like all right he put it out first and his premise is strong yeah like even though it's the same one as me i liked where he took the joke okay and so i was like i'll just let it go but I said all that to say I'm not going to do it in stand-up anymore. But this is the the thing that I was doing gotcha. that now I'm not going to do anymore. It does get hard for me as I get older to continue rooting for Batman mm-hmm. because he's a he's a billionaire. Yes. That beats the shit out of poor people. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. like it, there's just no way. And I know some people, some people get very upset when you say that. Or like there are a lot of like uh, comic book fans in the culture that are like, no, nah, Bruce Wayne does a lot and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, I understand that. Yes. But you have to understand if Jeff Bezos' parents were murdered (laughs) and instead of going to therapy, he bought some brass knuckles (laughs) and went to the Bronx and just started doing God's work on people's faces, we would have a problem with it. Right, yeah, one hopes. Yeah, and so people like hate Elon. People hate Elon Musk for being so rich, but nothing looks more like a Batmobile than a Tesla, you know? (laughs) Yes, And so if, if Elon got in a Tesla and just drove to Compton and started hitting people with his car. I don't know if we would be cheering for Elon to keep doing what he's doing, you know? <laughs> Driving it's into like, houses, through yeah. through yards. And, and, you know, my thing is that I want to see movies that are about, not necessarily the villains, because the villains do get their own movies sometimes. Yeah. I want to see a movie about the guy who got beat up for six seconds in scene three and we never saw him again. Uh uh Because that movie probably tells the story of a fairly reasonable person who was like, oh, okay, when I was born, um, my dad was in jail and my mom worked two jobs to support me and my two brothers. And, you know, I was going to school. I could only work part time. So then I fell in with a bad crowd and started selling some drugs on the side to make some extra money Mm -hmm. to take care of my, my brothers and I and everything. And then one day when I was walking home, a guy in an alley dressed like a bat <laughs> beat the living shit out of it. Like that, like that's that movie for that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so when you see when you see Joker and you see what I what I think Christopher Nolan did a great job with in the script and in the film is that everyone underestimates, except for Alfred, everyone underestimates why Joker's doing what he's doing and what Joker believes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that th- there's there's something to be said for like having a belief system that's very simple but consistent. Right, yeah. And I think that that's what Joker has. You don't really see Joker break his own character in that idea. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, you see it sometimes in the animated series, but you don't see Joker in the Dark Knight really flip-flop about something like like even the 
the it still gives me chills because especially with inflation the way it is when he burns the money the tower of money yes when he burns the money i'm like this dude really lives that life it's it's like when someone is pretending to be a tough guy mm-hmm. and then they run into an actual tough guy <laughs> yeah. oh no and that, and that tough guy is like no i'm crazy yeah. like, I, like i'll like you talk about fighting people and you get in people's faces like you want to fight people. Mm. I will I will hurt you. Yeah, I'll, I have like fought I'll, people today. So I've, I've fought people. My nose doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah. That's how you should know to leave me alone right now. And I feel like that's what the money scene was for me where I was like, oh, this these aren't just platitudes. Mm-hmm. This dude is like, I do not care well, about it, anything you care about. That's it. it I feel like it, what I was noticing when I was watching it last night was like when he Batman has him at the end is the final fight and you know he batman has passed some like test of wills and joker like quips to him he's like you really are uncorruptible aren't you you truly are incorruptible aren't you huh you won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness and i won't kill you because you're just too much fun I think you and I are destined to do this forever. But in his way, the Joker is probably equally as uncorruptible. He is a corrupt force. He is uh, terrifying. He is, as he says, an agent of chaos. But his... He is immovable within his own, like you said, code and set of principles. They are equally uncorruptible forces just existing, like diametrically opposed to one another in intention. Yeah, because you look at the other villains and it's like Penguin is completely motivated by money. Yeah. Um, Like you see all of the, almost all of the other Batman villains outside of maybe Riddler. Mm Mm-hmm don't they don't move the same way as the joker does they they have very clear intentions mm-hmm. it, it's actually what confuses bruce when he's approaching the on the detective side of mm-hmm. it of like what does he want what's his motivation and it's like none of the things that you think like this isn't a, a petty criminal this mm-hmm. is someone who has a deeply held belief that they want to spread the doctrine of yeah and I I see myself in that not so much so that I I I, I believe that there is a um, a lot of good in people, mm-hmm. but I think that the opportunities for good are actually very limited because of the lives that we that that we leave people to have. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if if you if you think about it, how you can be good with your money. Yeah. Right. So you can be a philanthropist or you can even if you're not a full on philanthropist, you can give to causes or you can make sure you don't spend money on things that harm or you sure. know whatever. Once someone is below the poverty line, they actually don't have those choices. Mm-hmm. They actually don't have the ability, no matter how good of a person they are, to right. be good in that way. Right. Then you take into account all of the. Uh, suffering that we let take place in the world, mm-hmm. like a, as a, a not just as a sort of American government, mm-hmm. but as a, as people on a person to person basis. If you're just walking down the street and you see a fight, I don't know how many people rush to break that fight up, right? Right, yeah. or to check if the person winning deserves to win. <laughs> like, like I think you most most of us just mind our own business. 
to, to be able to do good mm-hmm. is is such a um, deliberate effort, mm-hmm. and that's what tips the balance in 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 that way for me with people mm-hmm. is that to be to be bad you literally have to do nothing right yeah yeah being being bad is, yeah. is easy because doing nothing is a form of abdication of sort of like duty to one another yeah and then i think that a lot of people you know the way that i've talked about my friends and and stuff like that is most people are neutral so i think we all think of ourselves as good people sure everyone's sure. like the hero of their own story in that way yes but I think that there are definitely some bad people out there. There's no, there's, there's almost no debate about that. Mm-hmm. There's some people who are like, mm, you were, you real bad. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think that most people are a net neutral. Mm-hmm. It's just like they do some bad stuff. Sometimes they do some good stuff sometimes, but for the most part, they're not, they're not dedicating their entire life and, 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 and livelihood to a cause that they mm-hmm. believe in that makes the world a better place. They want the world to be a better place and they'll chip in every once in a while. They'll help you in, in the, I guess, in the analogy, they're not going to move your whole apartment for you, but they'll like grab a lamp and <laughs> yeah. make it a little easier. Yeah. And then there are good people. Mm-hmm. And to me, what... And I, I might be being harsh here, but I think that what what constitutes a good person mm-hmm. is what most people would call like a great, a, like a, a great and wonderful human. I, I completely think that that's agree. Kind yeah. of just good. I think that's like really that's not our baseline expectation for a good person. Is what you're framing to me as like magnanimous and wonderful and going out of their way. It's like wow, okay, bars lower than I thought, but sure. Yeah, it's like it's like the it's like the same bar with dating. It's like w- most people have actually dated so much trash that when you're <laughs> yeah. just not trash, you're a prince. It re- the, the number of conversations I've had with friends who have just gotten out of a bad relationship and they start dating again, they're like, he's so sweet. He asked me how my day is. And I'm like, let's call that the expectation and not like the the aspiration here. But like, I'm that's nice. Like, OK, I actually, but this is a this is a different thing too that that falls in the same line of thinking, and it's why in the movie I find that I find some some of the ways that I think reflected in the movie. I actually because I live in this world where I believe that most people are neutral, mm-hmm. most people are then fine. Yeah, like that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But because because there's bad out there. And because good is so hard to come by, mm-hmm. fine is actually amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we can then it's like six dimensional chess. We're hopping around too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so to me, fine is like like if 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 there's just a lady that's nice to me. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're in it. You know. Yeah. What a day. <laughs> wow, that's that's incredible. And so, I think that. You know, Joker's philosophy on people uh-huh. through like it, like if, if the metric that I laid out makes sense, that's kind of what I felt like he was saying the entire mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you you cannot expect someone to uh, pull themselves up by their sort of moral bootstraps when everything around them is crumbling. That yeah. doesn't that doesn't make any sense because at the best of times they live by a code that they don't really believe in mm-hmm. because they don't really believe like. Most people would tell you uh, that they are against slavery. Yes. But they they do no background checks on anything that they buy. Like, 
Right, yes. Like, and then when they find out that a very precious to them thing that they bought uh-huh. required some slavery. <laughs> yeah, some factor of slavery. They're like, look, I won't, I might not get the update then, but I got, <laughs> I got, I need to work. Yeah. <laughs> and so some of that, some of that ties into the thing I was saying before, where the opportunities we give people to be good, because mm-hmm. now you have, now a, a company has kind of roped people in mm-hmm. um, Well, it's like the good place. It's impossible to get into the good place yes, at this Yes, yes, exactly. And so it's like, the, we're, we're all too interconnected and we're all too, you know, human to a certain degree to, to fall into any category of what could be seen as a great person. Because mm-hmm. then even after our greats die and people really start digging, mm-hmm. You find out, like, I right, wow, <laughs> that's not great. Like, you, like, like Martin Luther King is one of my heroes, but sure. uh, ooh, he did Coretta dirty. Like, yeah, that, a flawed that's, man. That's a that's a lot of cheating. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes. And so, so we're all human, and I think that there's a a default and expectation towards goodness, and it actually makes us miss. Mm-hmm. And misunderstand when someone is good. Because when you when, when you actually meet a good person, we don't like good people. <laughs> I don't I don't know who likes a good person. Like Martin right. Luther King died died one of the most hated men in America, and that was him being assassinated. Yeah. If you yeah. believe Jesus lived, they <laughs> nailed him to a tree till he <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a tough we track don't record roll for with very good famously good people. And if you pay attention to the end of the movie, Batman ends up taking that same directive where it's like he's the hero we need, but not the one we deserve. Like yeah. like that whole thing. So now the guy who didn't do anything wrong is running away. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the guy who said off top from scene one that I'm crazy <laughs> is just chilling, being crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted me. Here I am. I wanted to see what you'd do. And you didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. A thing I've been wanting to ask you about, like, obviously you seem to love your job and you you love you seem to love doing stand up. And a thing that I found very interesting in finding that you keep going back to is this not only like the ability to make people laugh and share that with them on a stage, but like the ability to achieve a shared understanding with like yourself on the stage and the audience that you are speaking to and feel like there is a connection and understanding between the two of you when that might be something that might be more elusive to you in like one-on-one interactions just like in offstage life and the joker i think is um it's not like oh he's misunderstood like if you just knew him better that's not like a you know justifying murder thing but Mm -hmm. he is a character too who is sort of so specifically embodied in himself that other people at the baseline even if he's not like out there murdering people people don't really know what to do with the joker they don't really know what to do with his whole deal he walks into that room full of criminals and the one thing this movie gets wrong is that Michael Jai White does not get to beat somebody's ass in this movie and that it's not the Joker in that scene at that table. But they don't know what to make of this person whose I whose priorities and hierarchy of need are so different from their own. They're like, wait, this guy's going to blow himself up and he thinks he can take our money with no repercussion and he's just going to go burn money later. I wanted to hear from you about using your work as a tool for understanding to sort of bridge that gap where the Joker chose murder and you were like, I'm going to choose comedy. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that if, if you can reach a shared understanding with a with a person, it's it's almost impossible to not feel their humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you see this not to change the subject at all, but you see this in other shows that are done very well, like the first couple seasons of Billions, mm-hmm. where you know, <laughs> great those, stuff. Those two characters are so diametrically opposed, but they they have the same problem that yeah. they can't walk away. They can't quit. They can't let something go. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, even as rivals, they build a partnership mm-hmm. where they don't, their day doesn't exist without that other person. They might as well be married, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And they're, and they're I, both the best at what they do and the things that they do are opposed to one another. Yeah. And so so I think that with comedy, the, the way that I've tried to approach um, how I write is to build something that is as deeply universal as possible mm-hmm. to to you know increase my chances at being understood or letting people know that I understand them then also making sure that there's a a piece of me in all of it so mm-hmm. that it's not just something that I'm trashing or mm-hmm. just something that I like even when I am trashing it I'll also explain that I do it mm-hmm. so it's not something that is just a uh, a pointing and walking away. Yeah. And I think that that shared understanding, even if it's not a shared belief system, then leads people to a place where they understand where I'm coming from or mm-hmm. they or they at least they can at least enjoy the show knowing that there's a there's like a human telling all these jokes. So if, especially when I get to a joke they don't like, there's not a a sense of um You've changed on me. Right, I think that yeah, yeah, we, betrayal. Yeah, we we now digest. It's not just comedy. Like, comedians gripe about it a lot, and I a, a part of me definitely gets it, but I think that it it's overlooking the entire way that we consume media now to make it as if it's just comedy. Mm. People now will take an entire experience mm-hmm. for all of the layers and richness that there are to it and mm-hmm. still pick out a part that they didn't like and make that the part that they remember or sticks out or the thing that they tell people about, the thing that they leave the review about. Sure. And so I think that by knowing that and accepting that that's kind of how people are right now, mm-hmm. I can I can also address it without talking about it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I you know, I, I try not to get up there and be like, guys, it's a comedy show, so I'm gonna say some stuff that's not. <laughs> so that's a little on the nose, you know. Yeah. Do you find that you have come to a place where you can more readily achieve that sense of understanding with people, like interpersonally or or out of your job, that might have been harder before, like because of what you've been able to achieve as a professional. I mean, I still worry about one-on-one interaction. That's usually where I do the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is gr- this is going great. I I'm, I feel like you're a lovely. I but I feel like you're also a good interviewer. So oh, then thanks. you you're prepared for if I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? If I was the worst version of myself today, I think you'd still have some follow-up questions. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break, but don't run. We'll be right back, and we will hear more from Josh Johnson. Hi, I'm Biz, host of One Bad Mother. 
Whether you're a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I signed my stepson up for a camp that is actually in another state. I feel really stupid, and I don't think we're going to get the money back. And then he found out that the car manual is a book about cars, so now he's reading our car manual. We have... So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org, and yes, there will be swears. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fanti, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive? question mark Uh aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it (laughs) period Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I'm your host, Jordan Cruciola. I am with comedian Josh Johnson, and we are picking up right where we left off, in the surprising place of talking about the overlaps in the Venn diagram of his personality and the Joker's. You said, like, people, like, that you, you like, people can maybe think you're kind of straight. Why? Why do people think you're strange? What is that? I mean, I, I think some of it is is the, I would equate, this, this is the, problem with um comedy and and comics trying to move in the in the world with reg, real people mm. is uh we have the same thought processes and lines of logic as conspiracy theorists because <laughs> okay a, a, a conspiracy theorist and a joke writer are mm-hmm. doing the same thing wow they saw what everyone else saw uh-huh and they came to a wildly different conclusion all by themselves. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to go share it with a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when they don't like it, it just makes you talk about it more. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, I definitely have been better with communication since I started doing comedy and since mm. I got older. Like, mm. I think I think I was mostly... I was at my weirdest as a as a kid and like in and you know in my early 20s in Chicago and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so now I feel like I can get through maybe half of my interactions. <laughs> okay. Unbloody. That sounds like a substantial improvement. You're going up you're yeah. going up at a steep incline. Exponential growth and progress. It's taken too long though. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm only noticing the parts that still don't go well. (laughs) Yeah. You know? With the Joker being a a chaos agent, what's your point of view on chaos? Are you, because you, from what I've read, you're very exacting about your act. And and, and comics are. Like, this is is an art and a science together. Like, you you seem like somebody who has approached their career with a lot of intention from very early on. Like, I've read you talking about, like, building toward legacy and, like, you know, not wanting, like, clips or things that go out there to not be sort of, like, exactly perfect as you want them. Because that's, like, to build the legacy that you want, like, it involves that kind of curation. So where's your where's your Joker agent of chaos metric? 
I mean, I think that I, I plan because I believe that it's all chaos. Okay. So then, okay. so then to that degree, I'm like, well, you should really have a because you never know. Mm-hmm. This is it could anything could happen. And then I think that also, um, there's I'm not there yet in mm-hmm. in the way that I um, write or create. But I think that even with intention and even with very deliberate goals, there's a layer of understanding that you don't know how you're going to get there yet, and mm-hmm. that that is is I think where a lot of the chaos comes in because I'm like maybe. You know, maybe this joke will do well, maybe it won't, or maybe this idea that I have for a mixtape will do well or it won't, or maybe. So, so you know, even in all of my planning, I still lean on the side of like, the world is is chaotic. And I think that any order that springs from it is actually, uh, you know, one of those anomalies where mm-hmm. it's like you you throw a bunch of bouncy balls in a room and at some <laughs> point on a long enough timeline, Eight of them will line up perfectly in the air. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you can't plan for that. Mm-hmm. So even if that's what I want to have happen, I have to cre- keep creating like it's a, a black hole in a vacuum because that, that's kind of what the internet has become. I'm not a schemer. I try to show the schemers how pathetic their attempts to control things really are. As far as career-wise, that's mm-hmm. the agent of chaos thing. I think that in 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 writing it's starting to come out more in that I have, I, I the more understanding that I try to build of people, the less mm-hmm. patience that I have for deliberate misunderstanding. And so then mm. I think that I, I have started saying things that no matter how well I do to describe them can be seen as more reckless of things to say, mm-hmm. uh, but not necessarily there's a, there's a wild recklessness that some people talk with that I think yeah. can be harmful because they don't even know what they're trying to say. Yeah. And then there's a recklessness that it takes to like when you when you look at um someone like Lenny Bruce, right? So what happens now is that you have a lot of comics who are maybe um leaning or are too conservative for the general population to mm. make them um, famous or to love every joke that they tell or, you know, whatever that thing is. Right. But if you go back in time, there were also people that did the same thing, but were too liberal. So like you look at Lenny Bruce and it's like Lenny Bruce was actually saying incredibly reckless things. They just happen to be things that most people in polite society believe now. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, so he was like he was like speaking out against racism in a time where people were very racist and they were yeah. like, well, what are you talking about? I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. What's the what's the joke? Yeah. <laughs> and so that thing is is a part of how you build your set, how you curate um, your overall catalog of work. How does that line of thinking that you've come to at this point in your career factor into the creative process and wanting to make things that aren't necessarily just like an um, an album of comedy, but working in various facets of things that are sort of like preoccupying you and interesting you, right? Or keeping you interested right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that I'm trying to remember who said it, but you can all, you can either be, uh, you can either be first or you can be best. And I don't. Right. know if I'm necessarily the best so I'll just try to be first to a lot of different <laughs> things you know and so I think that with a lot of that comes here here are the things when when I look at elusive or channel black or the stuff that I have coming out later in the year these are things that I think would it would be dope if they existed mm-hmm. 
And to my knowledge, no one else is doing it. So I figured I might as well do it. And yeah. I don't know how to do it in a in a way that is perfect. Like I'm not uh, by any means a up and coming producer or mm -hmm. like I, you know, I, I write lyrics and I like music and I want to, I want to showcase people who I think are dope. Mm -hmm. And so all that comes together with, with doing comedy. And, and when it came to elusive, there wasn't anything like it that I had seen personally. Mm -hmm. So yes, there's like skits in, in, um, nineties and early two thousands albums, but that's not quite the same as like, mashing up a comedy album with yeah. a bunch of R&B and, and um, Negro spirituals and stuff. So I was like, let's see what that looks like. And then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not delusional enough to think that I'm not going to be wrong sooner or later, that I won't <laughs> put out a project that is just like, guys, Josh, no. <laughs> Josh, His no. Um, but I think that for the time being and with the people that I have around me, I'm on the right track for making things that are interesting mm -hmm. and that people will engage with if if they can see themselves in. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I where I come from now is that there, there there's a level of commercial success that's that's sort of a treadmill mm -hmm. uh, where you can just keep doing the same thing and hopefully make more money and yeah. everything. But I, I think that you know when when we're gone, all that'll be left is is you know the things that we leave in in the if you're a comic, I mean, in the mm -hmm. art that we make and and your catalog of work. And so I just want to make that catalog as like interesting as possible. And, mm -hmm. you know, the the thing that we have now that's actually kind of nice in the in a world that's sort of leaving albums behind and going mm. straight for playlisting and singles. And, yeah. you know, this moment pops out of this entire work. It's like that sucks for the artist, but for the for the actual collective masses, it's probably for the best. Mm. Um and I think that within that, it also takes some of the pressure off where now every album, every mixtape doesn't have to be some insane banger. It doesn't have to be Kendrick Lamar's damn or, you yeah. know, it, <laughs> and so it can exist with a couple of pieces that are remarkable that people want to remember and that they hold on to. And I mm -hmm. think that embracing more of that instead of fighting it is is going to be how I end up making work that people remember um because comedy is also very much of the time so no yeah. matter how iconic a comic is they so I'll, I'll give you this example people always give nods to richard pryor and george carlin For but sure. i i don't think that many people have listened to a richard pryor george carlin album right yeah like like this is this is how crazy it is when you actually go back and listen to richard pryor so there's a there's a joke that's that sprung up in maybe 2016 that mm. different comics who don't know each other this isn't people like stealing this is just genuine it's kind of like me with my friend it's like two people noticed something and had an idea and then totally you know, whatever you're reacting to the same world yeah and so it was a thing of how they're like man if i ever get hit by a car if i ever get like really messed up i'm calling an uber to take me to the hospital because ambulance right. is two thousand dollars you know like it's, it's to the point now of being a meme on online right yes in 19 i think it was 1974 mm -hmm. i could be wrong about the year richard pryor told a joke where he was like you know because because nobody wants to come to the hood you know uh -huh. cops don't want to come to the hood Ambulance don't want to come to the hood. If I get shot, I'm 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 hailing a cab. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so you're like, wow. So 
1970, Uber wasn't yeah. a thing yet, whatever. Like, but the sentiment behind the joke was created in Completely. 74 by like one of the most iconic comics of all time. Yeah. And, and somehow everybody missed it, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. And I think that they missed it because you, you know, after a while, you become a folklore of yourself. Yeah, yeah. So that that's another part of what I mean, where I was like, you, I have to accept that there might be a certain amount of time that everything that I make exists. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I don't, I don't know if I, I don't, I'd have to, I, you have to check back to see if I want to like be remembered or not. I don't know if that's like a huge goal or not. I won't know. So uh-huh. it's not a huge deal. But I think that it's interesting that. Like the the only thing that will really outlive you are the ideas that you left behind, and so mm-hmm. I think that's why people with very um, interesting and 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 iconic ideas get to stick around. Well, and it, I mean, and and you know, to to get back to the the conceit of the conversation, like that, our modern lore um, is is superheroes, is comics, and it's it's exploded in a in a four quadrant way and maintains that. Uh, stature in a way that kind of nothing else does in the at post monoculture in in the the sort of fractured pul- cultural landscape that we live in now, and what do you think that it is that endures so much about like why do we always have to have in every iteration of the Batman have to have an iteration of the Joker? Why does that keep calling to the people who make these things and to the people who want to see these movies? I know there there could be there could be Joker burnout happening. I know the Barry Keegan clip of from the Batman that was cut. There's people like, ah, maybe I'm ready for a little something different here. But at the same time, we know he's coming back. The Joker's coming back again. God damn it. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, one of the reasons we're so obsessed with superheroes now to me is that we don't believe in a bunch of gods anymore. Right. So, okay, okay. So we tell our ourselves and each other stories through these these hyperbolic characters that are um, sort of blown up experiences of what people might do, mm-hmm. you know? And I and I think that because the Joker is like the antithesis of Batman and because, mm-hmm. because everything that Batman believes and says he's trying to do stands in direct conflict with letting the Joker live every time. Yeah. I think that that's... That's the easiest. It's it's literally how we debate, you know? Someone will have a great point, but any counterpoint to that point, no matter how beat to death it is, yeah. will be the first thing that people say to sort of undercut the, the other person's point. I think that's what the Joker does for Batman because the Batman's right about the Penguin. Batman's yeah. right about just about everybody except maybe like Riddler, Joker, mm-hmm. and maybe poison ivy like when you think about poison ivy is just like an environmentalist that's like yeah she's like an eco activist yeah yeah which how wrong is she like, yeah <laughs> really if you watch batman and robin now uma thurman's performance which is a incredible pulp and b it is it is entirely like we must take down the bat and and his sidekick because they are extensions of the police state and we cannot allow them to exist when the police state is wrong it's like I mean, yeah, Poison Ivy, that's... that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would, You're like for the environment and opposed to state violence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would also be against a billionaire volunteer cop. That that does not sound like a dope time for anybody but him. No, you're really right. And I guess my, I guess my last question would be that if... You know, feeling any sense of identification with the Joker and, and, and certain like, you know, certain 
philosophical approaches. Not not the murder, not necessarily the sociopathy. But, like, because Joker exists so one-to-one in opposition to Batman, like, they are the dark and they, they are the dark and the light. And as Joker says, like, in the end of Dark Knight, he's like, I would kill you, but you're just too much fun. Like, he doesn't want to be in a world without Batman. And Batman can't kill the Joker. And so, in effect, the Batman can't live in a world without Joker either, what is your opposition? Do you have an oppositional force? Do you have a Do you have a Batman to your Joker? Yeah, just just people who suck. Okay, like people like they're they're just people who who. This this is the sad thing to me, and it does make me very sad in in life. Is that no one should be left to uh, feel like a loser. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a it's a very um, it's a tough world as it stands and everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. But the, the, the tragedy is that a lot of people will choose to be losers. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will choose to be shitty when they could be <laughs> kind. A lot of people will choose to stand in the way of something when they could just let it be. Mm-hmm. And that thing is, is, uh, I'm, I'm almost being a hypocrite because I should also just let them be. <laughs> sure. But I, I, I can't, and I, and I think that when I, can't I make either, stuff, so I can't hold that against you. Yeah, it's like I, I think that what I make, even though it's to win them over and to mm-hmm. hopefully make them not suck, I also make it at them because uh-huh. for for anyone that's like, oh, why would you do that? That's dumb, or that looks dumb, you know? Because I, I want to do everything. Um, so you know, like right now, the past. You know, two years. the The focus is on like comedy and music, but mm-hmm. I also want to make clothes and I want to, you cool. know, um, like do art and everything. So, so there's a there's a a sense out there, and I'm not even saying people are hitting me up, DMing me, saying it to me. I'm just saying they're saying it to people that are like me that want to do something that's not really in their mm-hmm. purview because you yeah. spend your whole life getting good at ideally one or two things and then mm-hmm. anything outside of that people are like why would you do that you're this yeah you know? you're this i yeah. understand you this way why aren't you this way yeah and so i think that in the end it, it's it's not just for me it's for anyone who's been told like no you you know you're a lawyer you shouldn't do comedy or you know, you know whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever that thing is because i don't i don't know if that's how any of us actually have a better life by just sticking mm-hmm. to the thing that we're good. It's great to be good at something. Yeah. And I hope everyone finds the thing they're good at. But I think that it's it's very important to also do something that you're not good at and try to make a practice of being better at it. And so I think that those people that would that would sort of uh, shit on that are kind of like, to me, I think they think they're being a Batman. They're like <laughs> yeah. helping because yeah. they're like, no, you're not good at it. So I'm mm-hmm. saving you time. You're not wasting yeah. your time and you're not disappointed. And it's like, you're actually just like being a coward in a, in a sense, you know, where I know you don't want to try anything, but mm-hmm. I, I want to give some things a shot. Well, I'm I'm glad you're really good at comedy, Josh, and that you found that uh, because we all benefit from it. But I'm really excited for you that you're going to try other things because that's great. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> hopefully I may. Yeah, I may send you a jacket and you're like, I would never wear this. This is insane. If you this send like, me you know anything, I, mean? I will wear it and I will tell you about it. And I will be like, this effort is so worthy and we should honor that. That's that's very kind. And uh, <laughs> I promise not to hold you to it. I think that 
there may come a day where we even do, you know, another episode and I'm wearing something that I made and you're like, that's a bold, that's brave. (laughs) You're brave. (laughs) We should, we should all aspire to be brave. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Josh. I really appreciate you doing this. And is there anything else you want to alert people to? You said you have work coming later this year. Maybe that can't be named yet. Any other place that you want to direct the people to your stuff? Uh, sure. You know, if you if you want to follow live dates where I'm mm-hmm. where I'm going to be touring, um, I also do a podcast called the Josh Johnson Show. And if you want to follow me on any of the socials to see where I'm going to be touring, uh, I'm at Josh Johnson Comedy on pretty much everything: uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, at Josh Johnson on Twitter because I got in early. You got Josh Johnson. All cr- you ran the table on Josh Johnson. Yeah, as as, as hard as I could. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I appreciate you having me so much. Um, yeah, this this meant a lot to talk to you. So I'm I'm glad you had me on. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Josh. And we did it. Good job. Yeah, we're gonna live forever. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation anywhere near as much as I enjoyed having it. Thank you again to Josh Johnson. Look for his mixtape Elusive or his newest release Channel Black or the podcast he does with Logan Nielsen, The Josh Johnson Show, or whatever project he's tackling next because he's a man of many pursuits, as we can now be sure of. So let's keep an eye out for more from Josh Johnson. One More quick thing before I go today, let's talk a little bit about RRR, Triple R, Rise, Roar, Revolt. If you are part of Action Twitter, if you know anybody on Action Twitter, we've been waiting. I think the first time I showed somebody this trailer and was like, oh my God, this movie is coming out. I have to see it was before Christmas. So, like, it was supposed to come out sooner, and then it got pushed, but now it is finally here. It is playing here in the States. I am an AMCA lister. I am not paid to say that, but it is the best subscription service I had, so I'm going to say it. And yet I still had to shell out $25 for the privilege of seeing this film. But guess what, everybody? Guess what? It's worth it. This movie's three hours long. You're paying for the time. I went with a friend who has never watched an Indian action spectacle before, And we walked out and he was like, how am I going to go to bed now? Like, he was buzzing about this. We sat down and I was like, there better be like a six minute musical interlude in this movie about the love of two male friends. And guess what? It was at least six minutes. Might have been 10 minutes. I got exactly what I asked for. And that was just one of the musical numbers. I, I want everybody to see this movie because if you're out there, and maybe you like big budget, big budget, big spectacle action movies, but maybe you are burnt out on the superhero train, which is the predominant vehicle through which we get to see big spectacle action. It's it's Bond or it's Mission Impossible or it's or it's DC Marvel and the like. But if you are looking for an antidote to that, that is original stories with every bit of the sincerity of a Fast and the Furious movie and the bombast 
of a late stage Marvel Ultra Ensemble, you have got to dig into Indian action cinema. And not FYI, guys, not every Indian film is a Bollywood film. So just because it's out of India, that doesn't make it Bollywood. This is a Telugu language film. Uh, there are Tamil language films. There are Hindi language films. They have different market identifiers attached to them. RRR is the next film from S.S. Rajmuli, who brought you the two-part epic Bahubali, the beginning and the conclusion, which you can watch on Netflix. Between those two films and now RRR, if you want to spend about nine hours watching the biggest, craziest, action spectacular you can imagine with close-up shots of men screaming in the faces of tigers with songs and dance devoted to the power of platonic male friendship with all the bullet time of people jumping through water and fire you could ever want to experience in one film at one time uh, I, I should tell you, RRR is a period piece. Uh, it is set around New Delhi. The white colonizers, the white evil bastard colonizers, have kidnapped a little girl from a uh, community of people living in the jungle. They have taken her to live in their civilized life in their big gubernatorial home in Delhi. And there is a, a man... Beam, who is tasked with protecting this village of people. And it is his job to make sure that if a lamb is taken from the herd, he is responsible for bringing the lamb back to safety. So while he is setting out on his mission to um, rescue his, his sister, uh, he comes into contact with all-star super cop the sexiest man you've seen this month, Rom, and their colliding present where he is a police officer protecting the crown that is occupying India while he befriends this man from a tribe living in the jungle and they become basically soulmates without knowing the truth of one another. And I'm not going to spoil for you the backstories of either of these men because you've got to go on that three-hour adventure to find out. You have to go on all the ups and downs of this friendship romance and mega action treat. This It's not just a treat. It's a buffet of desserts in front of you. Um, watch the trailer. Get hyped on it. Um... I'm going to say, once, you, once you've once you watched this, once you watch RRR, go check out those Bahubali movies. Or go watch them now. They're on Netflix. Uh, check out the movie War, another friendship love story action movie. If you're further interested in investigating more Indian action cinema, Google Tiger Shroff and just watch that guy's movies. Like, there is a world of original creation action cinema out there that I think can serve as an antidote to your doldrums, perhaps tedium or burnout that you've experienced. Um, tuck in with a movie like Suryavanshi, which came out at the end of last year, which will also ring all of these aforementioned bells I've been talking about for you. Um, but yeah, let's celebrate international cinema. Let's celebrate big ideas. Let's celebrate ideas that will feel new in a landscape of, of uh, 
blockbuster fare that can feel a bit homogenous at times. Uh, sometimes I lead you to little to little up and coming movies like The Wonderful, The Novice, or nice little like low to mid budget indie art house A twenty four stuff like X. But right now, I'm telling you to go watch the most bombastic movie you might see in 2022. Have your life changed, like the friend I went with to the theater last night, whose blood was, like, simmering out of his body by the time we left. Rise, roar, revolt. Join the revolution. Join me with Triple R. And that. Join me for more Feeling Seen in the Future, because that's our show for today. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingSeenPod, or you can join our Facebook group at www.facebook.com slash groups slash FeelingSeenPod, and you can also send us an email at FeelingSeen at MaximumFun.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am Jorcru, which is J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. The show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.